Genesis chapter 3. This is the fourth in our series on origins. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, you, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, Knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's, let's encourage Stuart as he comes to us to bring God's word to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Well, I went for a walk this morning, and uh, it's a great blessing being in Buckinghamshire, you know? I went for a walk, and the sun shone through the leaves, and the gold, and bronze, and somewhere green. It's just wonderful. And you know, Louis Armstrong sang this song. I won't sing it. You're right. We sing, what a wonderful world. I say to myself, what a wonderful world. But then I thought, what about these nearly half million Rohingya people who've been kicked out of their villages in Burma, Myanmar? Their villages burnt to the ground. I thought, I bet they couldn't sing that. What about the 3,000 children that will die in Africa this year of, of um, um, malaria? What about the million people that will die of malaria? What about the, when a young woman who just say young children dies of breast cancer? I think, I'm sure her husband can't sing what a wonderful world we're in. And then I read the newspaper on Friday and about our green and pleasant land, and it said 26% of knife crime, knife crime is up 26%, sex crimes are up 19%, murders are up 8%, violent crimes are up 19%, public order offences are up 43%. It's difficult some mornings to say, what a wonderful world, isn't it? But what we want to address that as Christians, why is the world as it is? Christians, we are the people who God has given certain answers to, and we have to know them. That's why we're doing this series. It's not an academic series. It's incredibly practical. And that's why we're looking at this passage. If you were to say one of the four most important bits of literature in the whole world, I would have to say Genesis chapter 3 must be one of them. So let's go to it. Let's, let's, we'll stick to the text this morning. We haven't a lot of time. And um, it's a huge passage. And we're back into that idyllic place, paradise. It's, not, it's still developmental. There's still growth to go. Man and his wife are still in probation. But there's no sin. There's no evil. And um, all the creatures are in harmony with themselves and with God. And, um, and God has made this wonderful being called man in his own image and his likeness. And he's uh, made woman out of man and has given man authority, his vice regent, to rule over this fair planet. And uh, they were called to listen to God as he would covenant to meet with them at certain times of the day. And uh, the man and his wife, they were naked and they felt no shame. And um, no gravitational pull to self, no guilt, no fear. Must have been it's inconceivable, isn't it? This place. And, um, and they were directed toward each other and toward God. And, and they were God's masterpiece. Man is not just another animal. 
don't believe the biologist. He has the same amino acids uh, that are in the genomes of other creatures, but that's not surprising because the same, creature, the same creator made animals and man. But he's not just a, the sort of upright, uh, most intelligent of, of all creatures. No, there's something special about him. He is made in the image and likeness of God. He is he's made to, to represent God. And um, he has a mammalian body, I'll grant you that. But he has, he's, he's made in the image of God. Now we could spend all morning on that. But he has a soul, he has a spirit, he, he's self-conscious. Um, he can understand abstract things, he can form relationships, he can create beautiful things. He can work yeah, with literature and, and art and, and science and technology. He has an amazing uh, ability, hasn't he? And uh, he can, he, he has a moral understanding of things. He has, he has emotional feelings for things. And we could go on and uh, he can worship and so on and so forth. He is different. He's not just another species, not just another primate. Don't buy into all that stuff. And, um, but the enemy of souls would attack him. You know, Michelangelo only produced one uh, work of art, not one work of art, one sculpture, I should say, that he actually signed. And that's the Pieta, which if you've been to St. Peter's in Rome, it's, it, it's, still, it's there now, where the, our Lord is draped and car, over his mother's knee, the dead Lord, of our Lord after the, his death. A magnificent piece. But in 1972, it was, vandals attacked it with hammer and chisel and made a real mess of it. Fortunately, the experts took, well, over a year to put the shards back together again. But it's significant. The only bit of Michelangelo that was signed, as it were, the bit of sculpture that was signed. And this is, mankind, humankind is the only bit of creation that God has put his signature on, in, one, in a very real sense. And, and this is, we're under attack. Um, and that the enemy would attack our first parents. The serpent, it could be lizard, however you translate it, is a symbol, the embodiment of, of Satan, and, and he attacks him. He can't attack God, because God is, Satan is a creature like us, and, and God is omniscient, omnipotent, and he can't attack him. So he will attack the, the one being that's made in the image of likes of God. He hates him. Because he was one of the angels, a foremost angel. He was supreme in beauty. Read Ezekiel, a description of Satan. He was, he was the Lucifer, the light bearer. He was beautiful until he, till he, till he fell. But he will attack mankind. Because man and woman were made in the image of God. We were meant to represent God. Meant to, to, to reflect God. We, were, we are mirror beings. When men... When the creation looked at mankind, humankind, they were meant to see something of the nature and character of, of, of the creator. But why did it all go wrong? Why is the world as it is today? You don't have to buy a paper. Just turn the news on and you'll find there's something, there's something shot through creation which is intrinsically wrong. And um, well, this tempter comes and this is real history, I want to say that. I don't know about your views of origins of, and uh, what you've been the last few, last few sermons, but whatever you think, we're talking about real history. There's a, this is a time-space fall of mankind. 
There was a time when evil and sin didn't, was not rampant on this fair planet. And this is a str- Jesus believed in the historicity of Adam and Eve, and certainly Paul did. And that's where we stand. Doesn't solve all our problems, but that's one of the pegs we're driving to the ground. So this is where we are. And the servant was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Now Satan is not mentioned by name. Why is he not mentioned by name? Because I think actually that I think uh, he wants, he doesn't want man to make excuses. You know, we can, we're always good at blaming somebody, you know. We're always good at blaming, it was the devil, you know. The old joke in the woman, man blamed the woman and the woman bade the, and the woman bade the, no, sorry, man bl- Man by the one and the one by the serpent and the poor old servant didn't have a leg to stand on. You know the old joke. Well, but we always want to blame somebody, don't we? We're always blame shifters. And, uh, and that's why I don't think he's mentioned, his name is actually mentioned. But the world was not always like it is this Sunday morning. Sin and evil wasn't always in the world. It didn't start that way. And evil, you must understand, doesn't exist on its own. You can't have an evil atmosphere. Evil always exists in people or persons or beings or spirits, persons, demonic or otherwise, or angels. And it's not some vague atmosphere. And he comes and he's, the Apostle John calls him the, the, the ancient serpent. That is the devil. And... Uh, we haven't time to go into this, but there was a rebellion. There was a fall in heaven before there was a fall on earth. And he comes to earth as a fallen being, as Satan. Satan simply the Hebrew for, for um, the accuser. And, um, and, and Jesus calls him a liar and the father lies. But notice how he comes to this woman. He comes to the woman first. That's an interesting debate why he comes to her first. But he doesn't come to frighten her. He comes to woo her and to win her, right? You see, the, the actual Hebrew for this, this being, it, it, the roots are either to hiss or to shine. There's something attractive about this being. There's not some slimy, horrible snake or lizard that comes. No, no. There's something very attractive and winsome about this being as, as, as he approaches her. Now he had Satan had chosen freedom because he wants to be he wanted to become like God and God had expelled him from his inner being from his inner court I should say but then he, let's look at the attack on on this uh, on our first parents and he said, if we time to look at spiritual warfare these attacks never vary they're always the same and. Um, now you remember in chapter 2 God has given man and his wife one command you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right and so Satan isolates the woman he wants says although the man is there the verbs are all in the plural and she's not she's not frightened off by this creature now one, God has given one command very reasonable. God is God. He has every right to, um, 
to, to set the rules and, and, and tell man how to behave, how to live. But he says, if you eat of this, the fruit of it, you will die. He says it for their own good. Now, the, what's the point of this tree? Because it's very significant, no matter how symbolic it is. It obviously is symbolic. It means this, if, if you eat from this tree, you will um, be granted or you'll, you'll get the capacity, the maturity, whatever you like, that frees you from dependence on, on God for guidance or for anything else. You will have now a capacity for independence. Now man was never made to be independent from God. Right? Now God did not tell them to aspire to this, this so-called maturity, this knowledge, which was possessed by God himself. Only God was, has, that, has that freedom, that knowledge. Only God has that ability to, um, to be, have this maturity and this knowledge. You know, you are created to be dependent on me. That's how we were made. If you're not dependent on God, we're living in a bizarre way, which is true of mankind. God says, you be you and I'll be me. And there's just one little rule to make sure that's how it stays, right? And um, if you eat from this tree of this tree, you will fall apart and you will disintegrate, you'll die. So let's look at, let's follow the text. Step one, he gets her, the woman, to question the word of God. The Bible is always, the word of God is always under attack. This is always the battleground. Everything depends on this book in one sense. Everything depends on the word of God. And he says, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now he appears serious concerned about her good, doesn't he? He wants a theological discussion to win his point and, uh, and about what God has said. It's always true. Now, he, he doesn't, he, the word he uses for God gives him away. He uses the word Elohim, which is a distant God, the creator God. He doesn't use this Yahweh, the covenant, promise-keeping God, which is beloved of, of Israel. And... Uh, but he doesn't, come di- he doesn't directly deny God's word. He just starts casting aspersions about it. Then he twists God's word, notice. Ever so slightly. That's how it starts. At the beginning. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, God didn't say that. God didn't say that. God said you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But not... But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, he misses the free bit out. He, uh, he changes the prohibition. He, he involves all the trees. No, God didn't say that. God says you're free to eat all the trees from the fruit of all the trees. But not that one. But what he's saying, and what the whisper comes to all of us, God doesn't want the best for you. He's stingy, he's mean, he's spiteful. That's, the living, that's what God's like. Follow God and he'll restrict your life. It's narrow. It's always the way. It's, his tactics don't vary a lot. And, and, um, he but the, the, what he's saying is, he doesn't want you to live independent of him. That's real. Well, that is true. And, and Satan is saying, you be independent. You be free and you really live. 
But Satan then, then is saying, you know, he's holding back things from you. Things that you need. He's spiteful, he's mean. He doesn't want you to live well. Isn't that true? We, we at this church make appeals to follow Christ. And there's a little whisper. If you do this, you won't live as well. There's always a, a sneaking whisper comes in. He offers a better way than God. No prohibitions. Live free. You know? And she listens. And when you listen to these thoughts and these temptations, it's true in life. An anti-God virus kicks in and sort of supports you. And then she misses out words. And uh, he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And she, she misses out that. She says, no, we're not free. He, say, he says that. And she, she, she also puts another word in and says, in the middle, where does she get in the middle bit from? She starts adding that. Um, well, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't in the middle. It was in the, at the edge. The tree of the knowledge of life, the tree of life was in the middle. But she changes it. And then she adds, you must not touch it. God never said that. When you start meddling with God's word, adding to it, you know, you start getting into serious trouble. And she will do. And, and she's, she's beginning to think for the first time that God is not well disposed to her. And she plays down the severity of God's Warning. He said, you will surely die. And she then says, you will die. She misses the surely out. She softens it ever so slightly. And, um, but that, then he sort of uh, drops his subtlety and reveals his true agenda. Look what he says. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, you will, you know, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's the first lie. It's the original liar is saying, God is a liar. Don't trust him, he says, you know. I mean, can a little act have, have such massive consequences? I mean, I'm sure you're all th- we all think that really. Seems a big deal as we should see the consequences. But we cannot understand the, the wholeness and the righteousness of God. It's one of the hardest things, even for Christians, to comprehend the actual passion God has for holiness and for integrity and righteousness. And we're always learning that. But anyway, she, he, doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to live. That's his trouble. He doesn't want you to be happy, says Satan to the woman. He's whispering, you know? Now it does lead to, to, to God in one way. They become independent. But only God can live independently and be happy and function. We were not meant to live independent of God. The world tries to in vain. That's why the world is an incredible mess. You know, it's like me saying, I, you know, I want to go water skiing. I, you know, I, I like water skiing. And, uh, but I want to do it without a boat. My friends, I have to tell you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You can't do it. 
And you cannot live this short life that you have without God. You can't live it that way. You can, you can struggle on and do fairly well, but that's not how it was meant to be lived. You see, this shows the actual nature of, of sin. Sin is not simply rebellion. It's not simply disobedience. Sin is, sin is actually believing that God is not as good as he says he is. That's the, that's the heinousness of it. That you can't really trust him because he's not as good as he says. That's why we lie. Because we actually don't believe that, you know, the truth will, uh, will work for us. God can't, won't look after us. That's why we, we steal and cheat and falsify. Because we actually don't trust that God will look after us unless we manipulate things. And, uh, but the sad thing is she, she nor Adam do become free. They become dependent on themselves. They become slaves to their own selfishness. They become slaves to fear, slaves to pride, slaves to covetousness, slaves to lust. Don't we all know that all too well? Would that we were free. It's a fallacy, this so-called free life. The only freedom comes from trusting God. And, um, well, she took and she ate and gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now let's look at the consequences and we simply have, we'll just head, give you the headings this morning because it's a wonderful passage. It, it's very profound. And um, Adam was not deceived. He did it with his eyes wide open. <laughs> but the eyes of both of them were opened. Oh, they had a knowledge now of good and evil. And they were like God in that sense, but it wasn't. They didn't become like God in, in, in the real sense. See, God's knowledge of, of good and evil is because of his faculty of omniscience. He understands all things. Our knowledge of, 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 of evil is because actually we are uh, participants in it. We partake of it. We, it's part of us. It's like I go to the doctor, I've got an illness and it's bothering me and I tell him and he knows about my illness because he studied medicine at university and subsequently. That's how he understands about my particular condition. I understand it because actually, unfortunately, I'm suffering from it. There's a big difference. And our knowledge of good and evil, and evil certainly, is that we are participants. Anyway, let's move on. But personally, they feel a great loss. Innocence goes. Purity goes. They realize they were naked. And they sold themselves uh, fig leaves and made a, a covering for themselves. They, they felt guilt. Not only guilt now, they felt shame. For the first time ever, they felt ashamed. There's something unclean about them. Never felt that before. And, um, and they, they, then death comes. Death comes. And, and, and they hide. Sorry, they hide. They hide from God in the, among the trees of the garden. And they're full of fear. And that's, you know, we, we're always hiding from God. Oh, we, we can hide from God in a religious service. Oh, it's a safe place to hide because people think we're religious and we raise our hands and sing the songs. So we can still be hiding from allowing God to really deal with us. And that's what we pray for. 
That God, you'll meet with God, the living God. Not just sing songs, but you allow God to meet with you. And then, of course, it does lead to death. Not that they didn't die immediately, in many years, but actually they were cut off from God. They lost their intimacy with God. As we shall see in a minute, they were separate from God. And, um, but they must not be allowed to stay in this state, so God kicks them out of the garden, as it were. And... Um, because he didn't want them to eat of the tree of life because they would be fixed in this terrible position. And um, he didn't want that. Because we're always trying to get back in life. Life is one long search to get back and find that joy, that peace, that innocence, that love, that, that freedom that, that we have and to, to, to come to know God. And yet it, it's, we can't, it's elusive, isn't it? And because then there are other, there are other um, sequels to, to their rebellion, which is, I mean, now work becomes toil and effort. And sweat comes into it. Now childbirth is accompanied by extreme pain. Now marriage is a battle of the sexes. Who's in charge? It's a battle. Why 42% of all marriages in Britain will end in divorce? And you can imagine there's been a lot of aggro before that happens. And not only that, the whole creation has been affected. The ground is cursed. Thorns and thistles come. Viruses, bacteria, protozoa become pathogenic. Cancer cells suddenly go AWOL and, and, and metastasize and cause havoc in a body and death. Why? Because the ground is cursed. Something is in, shot through with the curse. Now we haven't time to unpack all these as such. Just is, but then, but there it is, isn't it? And uh, and we cut off from God. He placed at the east of the garden a cherubim and a flaming sword that represents His holiness and His wrath. Keep out, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now the important thing is this. He is, Adam is our representative. And now we understand that. You know, we're in the common market because Mr. Heath signed a paper in 1972. We'll come out of it because Mrs. May signed a letter and sent it to the guys in Brussels on your behalf, on your representative. I don't know how you voted, but she's written the letter. And that's how, that's how it works. But we understand that. I mean, we, we, we understand representation. We understand federal headship. We're, now, it's exactly that. Well, it's, I say exactly, it's similar here. And Paul uh, expressed it perfectly in Romans. The key to it all is Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21. And in verse 19, Paul says, he says, For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. That's the key to it. Now, actually, it didn't, it didn't say we were made sinful. We are sinful, so we inherit. The, the stream of life is polluted at its source, and we inherit a predisposition to, to, to look after ourselves, to be selfish, to tell God to go and get lost. That's how, that's how we are by nature. We'll rule the show. But it's not just that. There's something worse than that. Because he says we are made sinners. 
In other words, we, we, that's how we are. That's our category. That defines us. The word made is the key word. The Greek is we are put in the class of. We put in the category of. We put in the rank of. We're regarded as sinners. That's who we are. We're under God's anger and judgment. We're born. Every child that's born in a strange way is born under the judgment of God. Paul says in Ephesians, we are by nature children of wrath. Jesus says, he who does not believe is already condemned. Now that's the state it is. We have to accept it. Not that we do nothing, but my children are British citizens. <laughs> because they were born in Britain to British parents. They didn't do anything about it. They got a, I guess when they got a British passport without much difficulty because they're British citizens. They, didn't, they knew nothing about it. But they, that's how it happened. And that's how it happens with us. We don't think theologically. I'm just telling you, this is, what, this is how it is. And, uh, and, and that's where we are. By our status, by our conduct, by our choice, we are sinful. But because of what Adam did, we are constituted, made sinners. But quickly, before we come to communion... What does God do? Well, he comes full of grace. Adam, where are you? It's pure grace. God knows where he is. He wants Adam to admit it. He stopped hiding. Some of you need hiding. God says, I know where you are. You can stop hiding behind all your whatever. And, he says, and, he, and, he, and then he clothes him. He, he, I don't know. He, he made garments of skins for them. The first death in, on this in the garden, Adam, God provides covering to cover their guilt and their shame. And he covers them. But then the key thing, he makes this promise. I will put enmity between you, he's talking to Satan, between you and the woman. Between her offspring, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, this offspring of woman, when he comes. And you will crush his heel. The whole of the Bible is an exposition of, of this verse 15 of chapter 3. If you understand, it's all trying to explain that. So when, so Satan is thinking, who is this offspring of woman that's going to crush my head? Who is it? So right through the Old Testament you have that. He's seeking, is this the one? Who is this? A child is born, a son is given. Who is this wonderful counsel, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace? Every generation is looking that's why he goes for the Jews. He's a great anti-Semite, is Satan. Because he wants to destroy them because he knows that from this stream, the, stream, the, the tribe line of Judah will come. Because when he comes, Satan's not sure about if, if you are the son of God. Remember the temptation? He's not quite sure if you are the son of God. And, and as, when he comes, he has all the babies killed in Jerusalem. All the little boys, choom, put the sword in. Just to make sure. Then he has his own village folk try and push him over a cliff, right? Then all the religious people, the religious leaders come and they, want, and they want rid of him. And then at the end, we know the story, he is caught and uh, illegally prosecuted and convicted. And they spit on him, they deal with him, and they will, they will certainly bruise his heel, to put it mildly. And Satan will pull all the stops out. And finally, they get him. They nail him to a cross. 
And, um, and that's how it is. But he defeats them. He defeats them. He, 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 he rises from the dead. But how can we get back into God's presence? How can we get back into this paradise? How can you and I enjoy this joy, this love, this peace, which is what we were originally meant to? How can we get back? It's impossible. There's this cherubim, as it were, symbolically standing, God's anger and wrath. We have broken the law of God. We have fouled it up. We've done our own life. We've told God to get lost. How can we get back? Well, if you want the joy and the peace and the life from God himself, the great thing is that Jesus comes and on the cross, he will bear your sin. I mean, that's what Isaiah sees years before. He comes and he says, he was stricken by God. He was smitten by him. Not by Satan, but by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Oh, Satan thought he had him, but it was all part of the plan. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. You see, Jesus takes the sword, allows, as it were, symbolically the sword of the cherubim to strike him. He smashes him. He's smitten by this sword and he breaks, as it were, the sword of the cherubim so it can enter in. We can enter into this joy and this life that he wants. It's interesting. This, the curtain, as I said, the curtain between the holiest of all, sorry, the holy place and the holy soul had this cherubim on it. And then the moment Jesus dies, the curtain is torn and the cherubim is torn and we can enter in. Now it's only a symbol. But that's what it's about. And we can enter in. And I must stop. But, um, and Paul says, he says, by the righteous one man, many were constituted sinners. So, <laughs> it's wonderful. He says, listen to this. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. That means put in the class of the righteous. Not that you're righteous in your character, but you're put in the class of righteous. You're justified. You're as if you'd never sinned. Not only that, you're made as righteous as Jesus. You put in the category, you put in the rank of, you put in the class of the righteous. See, people will say, what is my identity in life? You know, and all this stuff about gender. Am I male or female? You don't never get your identity from your gender. You'll, get, you'll only get your true identity by knowing that you're in, either you're either a sinner or you're in Christ. You'll not get it through your intelligence. Well, am I bright or thick? Am I black or white? Am I rich or poor? You can do all these things. The only way you get your real identity, you were born to get is when you put your trust in Christ. You put your trust in Christ and he, and he makes you righteous. You're, you're classed as righteous. And that's what it's about. That's why we're now going to celebrate this meal. You know, Jesus comes on that first after resurrection to a garden, which is now a cemetery. He finds a young lady he knows who's hiding in her sadness and her grief and he's, she's looking for something. She's looking for Jesus. 
And he shows her that he's alive. And he says, trust me, Mary, trust me. Trust me. And he says, to, you know, some of you come this morning, I don't know your background, but he comes and says, trust me. I don't understand all this stuff this guy's on about. He said, okay, trust me. This is the way to life. This is the way back into the garden where you were born. This is what you were born for, friends, to know this peace, to know this joy, to know this life, this intimacy with God. Jesus, God, in the fullness of time, sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that those who are under the law may receive the full adoption of sonships. You know, we used to think there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. I plead with you, my friends, make sure as you take this bread and wine, you know. And if you've never done it before, do it this morning. Get right with God because apart from that, there is no hope in this life or the next. But in it, there is life everlasting. Make sure, my dear friends, that you flee from all that wrath into the glorious loving arms of God and take this bread and wine with great joy. Amen? Amen.